It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Greg Jarrett. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Charles Payne, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, May 6, 2022. I'm Eben Brown. Russia may not be able to beat Ukrainian fighters, but that may be because they're also fighting U.S. weapons and U.S. intelligence. They can find out, you know, when a Russian command post is sending out radio signals. They can see where a Russian drone may be operating. It's those types of tactical applications of intelligence that are making the difference sort of minute by minute on the battlefield. This is the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Russian leaders like Vladimir Putin have been touting their near takeover of the port city of Mariupol as a decisive victory in their aggression in Ukraine. But objectively, this war the Russians are waging is not going well for them. Ukrainian fighters have held them off. The capital of Kiev is free. And Ukraine has successfully killed Russian generals and sunk their battleship. And Ukraine would be the first to admit they've had help. In my opinion, the American military intelligence support to Ukraine is basically up for Most Valuable Player Award. Dr. Rebecca Grant is a national security analyst who's worked for the Air Force at the Pentagon. She's now president of Iris Independent Research, specializing in defense. She is also a Fox News contributor. I think it's been our number one contribution to Ukraine's fight against Russia. Uh, General Mark Milley, our Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman, started talking a few weeks ago about what he calls the extraordinary intelligence that America has enabled Ukraine's military to see and to use. And that has just extended, I think, from just every part of the battlefield. I'm not really talking about cloak and dagger spies in cafes, but about the tactical intelligence, electronic emissions, imagery, the things that really get the job done in today's battle space. And you mentioned that this would not be the, the focus on the, the proverbial cloak and dagger uh, type of intelligence, but that does play a little bit of, of uh, into this, doesn't it? Because you still do need human intelligence. You still do need to get information uh, from the ground. But uh, it, but it does also, I think, demonstrate that intelligence is more than just the, the James Bond characters that are really out there, um, not to glorify it or, or, or make light of what they do, but uh there, there's a whole scope of intelligence that goes into providing a picture to ourselves or to our uh supposed allies about you know what's happening in their own backyard or or what's happening with their enemy that they're trying to repel yes and the cast of characters is not james bond it's more um uh geeks in a computer room keeping the internet going it's you know, guys in baggy cargo pants that are out with their, um, you know, drone systems. And then it's about sharing 
what Ukraine really needs, which is they need to know where the Russians are at, which tree are the Russians behind, which road are the Russians coming down. They need to have that information. And it comes from a combination of sources. But think of it like that there is basically a whole electronic domain over all of Ukraine, over all of that battle space. And the U.S. has been helping Ukraine make the most of that so they can find out, you know, when a Russian command post is sending out radio signals, they can see where a Russian drone may be operating. It's those types of tactical applications of intelligence that are making the difference sort of minute by minute on the battlefield. So let's talk about the use of that intelligence for a moment, because uh, uh, the Russians, namely uh, the president, Vladimir Putin, uh, Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister, have sort of made the veiled or not so veiled threats that any assistance to the Ukrainians, any involvement by the Americans or NATO in Ukraine would constitute uh, an act of war. But uh, the Ukrainian victories, and they've had some significant ones, uh, everything from the the targeting of Russian generals to the sinking of a a Russian flagship in the Black Sea, that has been carried out, as we've learned recently, uh, through the use of American and Western intelligence, uh, either the information actually gained and then the the infrastructure to gather it. Would, would Russia consider this to be that kind of level of involvement where they would want to retaliate against either the U.S. or the Western powers? How does uh, What do you think their line would be uh, for, for our involvement here? Well, the Russians don't like it, but they know that the involvement of the U.S. and of many other allies and partners is already so extensive. It's like sending arms. So this contribution of intelligence and assistance and the coaching that goes along with it, it's this is being this is part of NATO's contribution to the fight in Ukraine, even before the war. NATO had offered Ukraine some additional cyber defenses. So I think it's too late for the Russians to get upset about this piece of it. It's going on and it's going to continue to go on as Ukraine shifts to uh, offensive operations. Uh, at what point do you think that happens? When when does uh, an offensive operation on the part of the Ukrainians begin? Uh, because it just seems like as well as they are uh, holding off the Russians, that, that's just what they've been doing. They've been holding off the Russians. They've been trying to maintain their uh, sovereignty of their own country. Uh, when when does the table turn? What would what would that look like? Obviously, I don't necessarily want to you know need to give me a prognostication on a date or anything like that. But what would it look like? How would we know that those tables have turned? Yeah, exactly. And after and let me answer that one, which is a great question. And then let's go back and talk about sure. the Moskva as well, because there's a good little story there. So um, on Ukraine, you know, when does Ukraine start offensive operations? The uh, commander in chief of Ukraine's forces said they are already transitioning from defensive to counteroffensive operations in two particular areas up around Kharkiv and Izum, which is over in the east. That doesn't mean it's a huge offensive across Ukraine, but that's very significant. He does not talk very often. And for him to say they are transitioning to offensive operations is a great sign. What's behind that? Well, the arrival of the 155 howitzers, those long-range guns, plus other types of heavy weapon assistance from the U.S. and NATO and other allies. That's going to put Ukraine in a position to not just hold 
off the Russians, but to begin to pick locations to transition to the offensive and push Russia out of their forward positions and then back maybe all the way to the Russian border. I expect to see that offensive mass and grow over the next couple of weeks so that perhaps two to three weeks from now, we'll be talking more and more about the progress of Ukraine's counteroffensive operations. We're speaking with Fox News contributor Dr. Rebecca Grant. She's a national security analyst here on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. We will have more straight ahead. And let's go back, as you suggested, to talk about the Moskva, the uh, the Russian flagship in the Black Sea that uh, was sunk by the actions of the Ukrainian fighters. But we've learned in the past couple of days they were able to do this not just with uh, American armament, but also U.S. intelligence help. That's a pretty significant loss for the Russians to lose a ship like that in battle. It has to be, uh, at least to the Russian military apparatus, somewhat demoralizing. Um, what what do you think the ripple effects are from this sinking, uh, both from how it was carried out and and you know the 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 vision uh, the the visuals of seeing that that ship go down. The sinking of the Moskva is just sums up everything that's gone wrong with the Russian military. It looks like the Moskva didn't have all its air defense radars working correctly. Some of them might not even have been turned on. And we're told that Ukraine used its uh, Neptune missiles. It's an old design. Had the Moskva had its air defense up and going, they might have been able to intercept it. But instead, you saw the Moskva out there uh, floating around, probably a little complacent, but very vulnerable to something called synthetic aperture radar, which is a radar system that's widely available. It looks through clouds and weather. The Moskva would have been glowing like a flashlight in the dark to a synthetic aperture radar system. Pretty easy then to target the Moskva and note also the Black Sea is notoriously tight quarters. The Navy always says everybody knows just where you are when you operate in the Black Sea. So Russia was just down in so many ways in losing the Moskva. And then clearly Ukraine was able to take advantage of its own Neptune missiles and I think possibly some assistance either commercially provided or from some allies to help track the Moskva and catch it off guard. It shows how unprepared and unprofessional the Russian Navy was and how well Ukraine had learned to make fast use of the new technologies and track and locate and sink that ship. Unprepared and unready seems to be the uh, the theme here among the Russian military. They uh, have been really disgraced at every turn. This was supposed to have been, if you had listened to Vladimir Putin, a very easy, in his words, special military operation. They were going to take control of this country rather quickly. Uh, they have not done that. Uh, they might have control of Mariupol, but even that is in, in debate. Uh, but uh, they have been really embarrassed. And do they do they recover from this, the Russians, uh, on the world stage? Or is this a, one of these... Um, you know, a diplomatic, everyone's laughing at you kind of routine uh, where where they have just they have just failed. They failed to do what they want to do. And they've they've exposed themselves as failures as well. At a tactical level, Russia's military does not recover for a long time. And three reasons why one, their air force not able to gain air superiority. 
afraid of the Ukraine man portable air defenses, the man pads. So they do go in and bomb, but they spend very, very short time in Ukraine airspace. I've heard rumors that Russian tank crews are undermanned. Sometimes if you need three uh, soldiers in a tank, maybe there are only one or two. And then their technology, take their battlefield drones. So many of them have crashed or been shot down. And you find the pieces of them have all these Western parts and just aren't what we expected. But I'm shocked, too, that the U.S. really did rate Russia as a top military threat. So we need to look back at our own analysis of Russia as well and see where we went wrong in overestimating Russia's military capabilities. Now, don't forget, they still have plenty of artillery and a very, um, you know, sort of vicious history that they're going to continue to use their artillery, their long-range missiles, and even their air attacks and use them very indiscriminately against Ukraine. They're going to create that damage. The only way they've been able to take ground really is by leveling cities, whether that's Mariupol or the smaller towns like Rabizhna in the east. So they're going to continue to do that. But the Russian military does not recover as a, as a superpower uh, for a generation. All right. Dr. Rebecca Grant, national security analyst and Fox News contributor. Thank you for being with us here on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.